Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint, left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. Good morning to you, Brock. How was your uh, fourth there? Good morning, men. Uh, fourth was great. Fourth was was warm and sunny and full of burgers. An elk bacon burger I made. Oh. Uh, my buddy uh, here in town had, had uh, given me some of his elk meat, and so it was a yeah, it was a good little time for the Hewitt family and some friends. You now, guys, was the burger itself elk bacon, or was the bacon on the burger elk? No, no, it was wrapped. Uh, I, whoever the okay. whoever the meat butcher is, the put togetherer of that, yeah, made a nice little mix of elk and bacon, and it was. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty delicious. Brock, how many hot dogs? Uh, I'm not a seventy six and a half. <laughs> no, that dude is <laughs> that guy is secretariat man. I'm waiting for Dave Grosby to tweet later in life about oh. Joey Chestnut's distancing of his. That's hot my dog favorite eating. thing about the Triple Crown season is seeing Gross's <laughs> yes. tweets yes. about how fast Secretariat would yes. lap yes. whatever like you know Smarty Jones won by twenty two uh, <laughs> horses lengths whatever. Joey yes. Chestnut would have won by twenty six <laughs> Nathan's famous dog. Oh, insanity. Well, Brock, sorry to harsh your mellow here with question number one, but with JT Tui Molowau's departure to Ohio State, choosing them yesterday over UW, USC, and Oregon, we want to know here with question one, what does another five-star departure leaving the Pac-12 backyard mean for the Pac-12? Well, I'm glad you kind of frame it that way because that's how I first look at it. Obviously, this is a a huge loss and there's a trickle-down effect, but most importantly, it is for the brand of the Pac-12. It is yet another West Coast kid. He joins Stilicum's uh, Mecca, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Can you see Ryan? Uh, It's like a a Buka or something? Yeah. Five-star receiver. Yes. So in, in this class, both of those kids were in the same class as my nephew, Sam Heward. So three five-star recruits from the state of Washington, from western Washington, all played their high school football within an hour of the University of Washington or less. And all three of those guys, or excuse me, two of those three, end up leaving to Ohio State. So it's uh, first and foremost, you know, I think a stain on the brand of the conference that the West Coast kids leave the conference and leave for the Big Ten. Uh, number two, it obviously hurts Jimmy Lake. And number three, these are these are elite difference makers. They played with my nephew with Tracy Ford's program and the seven-on-seven, seven, the uh, the elite of the elite. You know, they're the big-time guys. They're going to make a difference. Emeka already did. Watched him in Ohio State's spring game. He's going to be a piece of the most talented receiver crew in America. And you don't get kids like JT from the state of Washington very often. 6'5", 285, defensive end, pass rusher, tight end, unbelievable athlete. Those, those guys do not grow on trees. They don't even come in every recruiting class. Sometimes it's two, three, four years in a cycle before you see someone of his talent. So then the last trickle down is ultimately on the field. If you have a Mecca and you have JT and you travel to Ann Arbor, both those guys as Huskies would play this year, would help, would contribute um, to a team that's already predicted to win nine games. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a bummer, as you said, harsh my buzz all the way around. What's it going to take to keep some of these guys? You got to win big. You got to win. Yeah, Mike. Sorry, you got to win big. Uh, Both of them, I think, have said that publicly. I know that they've shared that privately. I want to. I want to. I want to play for a national championship. 
when when they make that call to Jimmy Lake, that's ultimately what they're going to say. And, and, and unfortunately, right now, Jimmy and Mario and Clay and the rest of them out west, Chip, can't say oh I, I can't forget your guy at arizona either jed they can't say <laughs> they can't say back to those they can't say back to those guys what do you mean you play for national championships when you come here because that's just not been the case for a decade in these players lifetimes mike for these players playing high school football right now over the last 10 years as they've been football players what have they known they've known alabama they've known clemson they've known ohio state they've known oklahoma They've known those big brands, largely LSU, dominating what they've watched winning national titles. And until you win national titles, you will lose guys. And it can be done. It happened in the 2000s with Pete Carroll on the West Coast. And in fact, if you can do it and get on that stage, then guess what you can do? You can go to you can go to Texas. You can go to Louisiana. You can go to Florida. You can cast your net like Pete Carroll did in the 2000s across the country. So uh, that that's end game, ball game. You've got to get to the national titles games, and ultimately you've got to be be winners on that stage. Do you think the Huskies' OKG recruiting philosophy can still work in 2021? Our kind of guys. Uh, if those two are their kind of guys, then yes. <laughs> if it's only <laughs> the OKGs that you get and not the ones that depart. Because those were anybody's OKGs. Those are the guys you win national titles with. So I don't, I don't know how you, know, you need to frame that or qualify what an OKG is or characterize that, see, Raj. But uh, there's, there's no question about it. Those were OKGs that unfortunately are now Ohio State am I, Buckeyes. Am I an OKG, bro? You are, big time. Hey, you know what we have to do now, though? Question two. Brock, which veteran free agent would be a bigger help to the Seahawks in 2021, K.J. Wright or Richard Sherman? Yeah, good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably lean more to the corner because I think that's more of a need position. It's, it's, and, and that's tough because K.J. was more productive than Richard Sherman was last year at their, their respective positions in their programs. But I, I would still love another veteran corner added to this crew. I think they I think they need that seasoning. I think they need that experience. Obviously Richard is is loud. He's he's big. He wants to get paid significantly. And I think the reason maybe even more so that he's on the market than KJ is because KJ plays a position as a strong side linebacker at the stage of his career that is just deemed obviously not a, a premium nor a priority around the league. Richard still plays a position that is deemed a priority and still gets paid a premium and I I can't guarantee this because I'm not in the room or on those calls, but I would speculate strongly that he is still holding out for a bunch of dough. And he's looking at Jadavian Clowney from last year saying, yeah, I'll go that route. If I got to wait all the way you know, through training camp, a couple weeks into it, fine. There's programs out there that I know the system. I know all the ins and outs. I know all the coverages. There's a bunch of coaches, obviously, spread across this league that run this kind of Pete Carroll system in New York, in Dallas. Obviously, you know, Gus Bradley as well and, and here in Seattle. So I think he's holding out for more, more dough. I don't think that's going to happen, though, in Seattle. Have you heard the cut from Jeremy Fowler yesterday on SportsCenter talking about how the Jamal Adams deal can kind of unlock the rest of the Seahawks spending, possibly for guys like Richard Sherman? I haven't. Do you have it? I, I've got it right here. Oh, yeah, this is a player do. who got his way out of New York over his contract. The Seahawks at least know they're dealing with a hard bargainer, somebody who's willing to bet on himself. So watch out for some fireworks here. 
Let's stay with the DBs in Seattle, potentially Richard Sherman. I'm told that this is not off the table, that Sherman is still open to returning to the Legion of Boom or what remains of it. Uh, he makes a home on the West Coast, still has a home in Seattle. Most people think he'd like to still play on the West Coast. And so Seattle needs a cornerback help. Nothing's working right now, but maybe closer to training camp, something could shake out. Seattle needs to figure out the Adams money allocation before they take resources elsewhere. Because a guy like Sherman, you know, he's not going to take the minimum. This is a high-caliber player that would need a decent contract. If Sherman does come back to Seattle, would it be in a starting role? It depends on how much you're guaranteeing him. Now, it depends, I think, on that contract, honestly. I think that contract would help lay that out in a lot of ways, and I think it, it depends on his health. If he can still be as twitchy and be as quick in and out of breaks as he needs to be, that was never his greatest strength. He's a straight-line guy with unbelievable ball skills and tremendous instincts. So, see, Raj, I'd have to I'd have to see him move. Since we've seen him in Seattle, we know he's battled a, a litany of injuries. Right, that it was the Achilles here, but there was knee, there's hamstring. It's been injuries as there usually is at that stage of career for players built like him, starting with an Achilles injury. So uh, I'd have to, I'd have to see. You know, I think they would too. Um, but if there was big guarantees, then you're not going to sit that guy. So <laughs> I think it's dependent on the money. It's dependent upon his health. And to that Jeremy Fowler point, though, Jamal unlocks Dwayne Brown. So I don't think you get Jamal done and the next domino that falls is, is KJ or Richard. I think the next domino that would fall would likely be getting an extension for Dwayne Brown. We know there's always money, but is there enough money for all these guys for what Richard Sherman will want? That depends on the structure of Jamal's deal. But yeah, I think there could be. Yes. And, and especially, Mike, with forecasting what's to come in the years to come. Right. This is this is not retroactive. This is not a a shrunk cap like it was obviously through the pandemic, there is big money on the horizon. And I think that they would love the Seahawks to get some deals done now. Uh, get an extension with Dwayne Brown down, done now. Get Jamal structurally done right now. Uh, because I think in the months and the years to come, they'll even have more funny money to play around with in that cap. Question three. Rockets list season. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is. Oh. Season. Yeah. I love it. NFL. Roman candles, one. <laughs> bottle rockets, two. Tanks, parachute men, three. There you go. There we bit. go. No mortars, <laughs> nothing like that. No. Roman no. candles. <laughs> By That's the way, are yes. you glad to uh, be on the air on July 5th and not have to hear Mike Salk rant about how fireworks oh are the worst gosh. thing ever? Thank you. Yeah. Lord. <laughs> yeah. Thank you that it was a Sunday and then he was out last week, too. Didn't even have to hear it on the podcast. Beautiful. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew on NFL.com has listed his 32 starting running backs in the NFL. Chris Carson coming in at number 19, not even in the top half. He's never liked him. He He is not. No, no. Maurice Jones-Drew has never been a fan of Chris Carson's because I remember in list seasons in July in previous years, he's never, he has never had Carson a top 10 running back. Well, do you think Chris Carson – is a top half of the NFL yes. starting ring. Yes, he's absolutely a top half. Talent-wise, he's a top 10. Unfortunately, durability-wise, availability-wise, fumble-ability-wise, pass-catching-ability-wise, some of those other aspects that the elite guys have right now, he's not that guy. He's not Kamara. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not some of those you know, just three-down guys, incredibly elusive. I think he's a good pass-catcher. But he's not a, a guy that you set up and say, okay, in this game, if we get him eight touches out of the backfield on receptions, he can beat 
this safety. He can beat that linebacker like the elite guys at his position do and, and get paid accordingly. But I, I still think talent wise, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's below just pure talent. See, Raj, I don't think he's below six or seven in this league. But he's at 19 because Maurice Jones-Drew is a former running back in this league who fought to be a durable guy as much as he could and be a three-down guy as much as he could. I think always leans towards those guys rather than the battering rams that are Chris Carson. Well, we've seen a lot about what Shane Shane Waldron's offense could do. All these receivers are excited. The tight ends are excited. What can Chris Carson do in a Shane Waldron offense? Should be pretty good for him. There's going to be a lot of screen. There's going to be a lot of one cut. Here it is. Feel that, that outside zone run. Put that put that foot in the ground and get 230 going downhill. I mean, it, re- it really, obviously, Todd Gurley became a became a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he's there. If Terrell Davis got there, at least it's a borderline conversation in those two, three, four years where Gurley was unbelievable in L.A. So, I mean, you tell me what's is, Todd Gurley's raw raw goods, just intangibles, measurables versus Chris Carson. Compare and contrast those two for me. I, I see a lot of similarities, and I think Shane Waldron does too. That's why they gave him an extension, let him feel out the market. I think got him at a very fair number where if he blows up, and as and is, is Gurley did in that system, if you're Chris Carson, his agent, and you actually do stay on the field and you do explode in the system as Gurley did, there's going to be another payday for him in a couple years. That was another edition of Coors Light's Blue 42 with Brock Heward. Brock, while I have you, my – my dad has been trying to get a hold of you because oh, he noticed oh. that uh, your daughter Haley was recently on an unofficial visit to Wyoming. My dad is a Wyoming graduate, Whoa. and I think he's willing to drop the bag here. Okay, is, is he, is <laughs> I he think, really? And I am. Yeah, I think yeah, he could broker a nil deal with I think Taco John's. I think that's the local. That's, uh, that's pretty big fast food restaurant that's there in Laramie. Pretty big. Uh, so just saying, <laughs> okay. it, the 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 cowgirls could use. Haley Heward, at least according to Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dad. Let me clarify, though. Let me clarify. It's Macy. Haley's Macy? already signed, oh, that's right. it's Macy. sealed, You're not dropping delivered. the bag very well. Boy, yeah, my she, dad's got to really get, get it going here. a Chris. It is my Macy. Macy. That, uh, yeah, right. we ran to the airport at... Well, Molly ran to the airport this morning because I, I had to do Blue 42 and some other stuff at 5 in the morning to head to Iowa for some AAU season. So, uh, Macy, junior to be, I will let her know that Senior Rogers is very excited. I'll tell you this, C-Rog, <laughs> Wyoming's facilities, pretty darn nice. A yeah. Lot, a lot better than some of the Pac-12 women's basketball facilities. I'll leave it at that. A lot better. Pretty nice. It's that uh, Larry Nance Jr. money going the, into uh, Wyoming. There you go. Brock, thank you for joining us. And, uh You have yourself a great rest of your 4th of July weekend. Sounds great, boys. Thanks. Thanks, Brock.